Because Ben and I are starting a new fan club, this is MuggleCast episode 245 for November 27th, 2011. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free Hugo Cabaret audiobook, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mugglehugo. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 245. We are officially the Harry Potter podcast with the most Harry Potter podcast episodes. Woo! Yay! Woohoo! It's only taken six years. I know, well, there was we were the leader for a good point. And oh. then then Pottercast went on tour, went on like an eighty city those tour. Those count though. And then released all the episodes. Huh? You can't count on tour. Yeah, do those count? Well Yeah, I don't know if that counts. We did have that twelve hour muggle cast, right? Or the twenty four hour where like <laughs> yeah, episodes that was only one, broken up 13. until about two or three episodes. I think mm. six or twelve, to be honest. But wait, twelve wait, no. twelve hours. Yeah, if I mean if you think about it if if an episode consists of one to one and a half hours, that's at least ten episodes that you can count. Yeah, I'm really sure. Yeah, I'm but really we broke sure. it into yeah. we broke it into three or four parts, I think. And one of the episodes I remember was exported incorrectly, so it's like faster, and so we sound like chipmunks <laughs> for like two hours. And we got a million emails about that, but I didn't yeah. really know how to fix it because it was kind of too late. That was actually the first episode I was ever on. Was one of and the uh, the. 12-hour ones? The 12-hour one, you called me, and although that was during the chipmunk era, so everyone thought I sounded like a chipmunk. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, guys, we're, we're ahead of podcast. Is that, is podcast ending? Is, is it, is it? <laughs> no, let's, let's, it, let's not start that. <laughs> no, but I, um, I, I just, it was just a, you know, I mean, it's true, but it was a joke. I'm just, you know. Noting, noting the occasion for no reason in particular. No, I think we'll. Do you think we'll be the first to two fifty though? Two fifty. Yeah, we should be the first to two fifty. I'd say kinda. so. Yeah. How about three hundred? <laughs> yeah. Well, God, that seems so far off. But we can do a tour. <laughs> yeah, do a fifty cities tour. Just, just crank it all. And out. We could break each tour stop up until about four episodes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. we just do one episode with one episode lasting each a minute. Well, this is not a standard episode of MuggleCast, really. We uh, have a couple of special features. We're, we're going to... Um, Micah is going to run through the LEGO Harry Potter years 5 through 7. He reviewed it. And uh, he's also, and we're also going to talk about the futures of the big seven stars, kind of as a main discussion. And we have some emails to catch up on. And who knows what other surprises we have for you. Don't get your hopes up, though. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And I'm Matt Britton. All right, so uh, we are going to skip news this week. We'll we'll get to it on uh, another episode. It has been kind of slow, so no no particularly huge stories to talk about. But Micah, you reviewed. I assume this is you, or was this Eric? Um, yeah, one of you. Totally, Micah. Enjoy. Okay, Micah. So you enjoyed the Harry Potter Lego Harry Potter Years Five Through Seven video game, and you wanted to tell us how it was. Yeah. Did it meet your expectations? First of all, yeah, it did meet my expectations. I think part of the problem. With the other Harry Potter video games, as we've talked about pretty uh, much at length on on this show and you know past episodes with the EA games, it's just there's something about them that but but this game just feels like you're having a good time. It's fun. It, it it's also easy, and and I don't mean that in a bad way, but you can tell that the game is geared for you to go through and to really just have a good time, and it's made for fans of Harry Potter, by fans of Harry Potter. And I think that's one of the major differences. You know, Eric got a chance to interview the game director, Arthur Parsons, down in Orlando, and he's a huge Harry Potter fan. His team is, consists of all Harry Potter fans. And I think that's where the key difference is. And I know that Eric and Matt both got a chance to play years one through four. What did you guys think of that? Mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, although, I mean, it's it's very immersive. Though you can spend like so much time playing like other mini games and stuff. It's it's definitely not just books one through four and five through seven, and then you're done. 
It's like once you finish a level, that opens you up to other places to, you know, play games and such. Especially, I think all the Lego games do that too, don't they? Yeah, like for, for like Indiana free Jones play and mode. Batman. Yeah, yeah, free play, and then you get to do like other levels and stuff. But um, no, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It... Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to say the Arthur Parsons interview is on the previous episode of MuggleCast, isn't it? Um, Didn't we? Yeah, or the or two forty three. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's you get a sense there, and 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 yeah, just they they took what they did in the first game and they just improved upon it, and that's kind of one of the good things about ha- you know making more than one is that you learn from you know critiques and stuff like that. So it was it was the same exact team, right? One through four and five and through seven had pretty much the same. Yeah, teams. pretty much from what I understand. He didn't mention anything. Uh, Arthur mm-hmm. didn't mention any difference, and 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 that's kind of a good thing too, because uh, from what from what the stories that he told, um, they're just super, super, super passionate. Yeah, and in the review, I referred to the EA games more uh, as being a corporate carbon copy of the movies, and it's true. But Lego does follow the the movies as well. But I think the difference is that they allow you to do more that you'd want to do if you were a fan of the books. So there's there's really just the smallest detail that's in there that you you're, you're not going to get in in the electronic arts game. You have 200 playable characters that are able to be unlocked. You know everything from you know, let's say Professor Trelawney or Professor Slughorn to the woman that serves the trio when they're inside the cafe in Deathly Hallows Part 1. I mean, you're talking <laughs> the most obscure. You can play as Fang, you can play as Witherwings, you can play as the peacock that roams around uh, Malfoy Manor. So, or, or even, uh, I think in the interview, Arthur Parsons mentioned you can play as Ginny's Pygmy Puff. That probably sounds a little dirty to say, but you know. Well, no, it does. <laughs> yeah, her pet. Her oh, pet. If you're, oh, you, if no, you're playing as Ginny, you push the button to get your pet out, and she takes it out of underneath her shirt, and it's 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 her pygmy right. puff. I've seen it. Happen. And uh, you know, humor but, but, <laughs> has been a uh, a focal point of all the Lego games, not just uh, Harry Potter. There's a lot of funny scenes that take place throughout the game, and one thing that they've done, and I don't think it was in the first one, is now you have the opportunity to use dark magic. So you have to actually unlock more of the evil characters in the series, like Bellatrix or Voldemort, and then you actually have to go and purchase the character once you've unlocked them, mm-hmm. and, and go you, and you back get that, through the you game. Get, like, you, you can't do like everything in studs, the game, right? Uh, it's like golden studs that you have to get collect, like by blowing stuff up. Yeah, and that's that's mm-hmm. your currency. But there yeah. are actual things that you are prevented from doing unless you unlock these characters so you know as matt was saying before it, it's very time consuming it, you know you're, you're going to spend right. hours which is great i mean you definitely get what yeah. you pay for now on the other hand i'm looking at the deathly hallows part two game review and it just bad ratings just like the rest of them really i mean this one got a 4.0 on GameSpot, and they say that they they call it conceptually ridiculous, exceptionally tedious, incredibly short, three hours of gameplay, fails to capture the tension and excitement of the novels. In in these games, the the spells act like guns. Um, Expulso isn't an exploding exploding spell; it's a rapid fire machine gun. Fringo isn't a blasting kurtz; it's a grenade launcher. <laughs> Stupefy isn't a stunning spell; it's a pistol. <laughs> wow. And not like a physical gun. I mean, they're still holding wands, but th- that's the way the sh- the spell shoot. They're they're more like this they're really more like first-person shooters, you know, that And apparating is just like short distance moving around of like a field. It's just well, ridiculous. And, and, and see the difference is with in, in year 5 when you start out in this game, you don't have all your spells. You're very limited in in your arsenal. But then your, mm-hmm. uh, you know, your uh, arsenal expands, you know, just to a lot of the spells that you had in Lego Harry Potter's years one to four. Once you decide that you've had enough of Umbridge and how she's going about running Hogwarts, so it's like once that change occurs, and it's a very inventive way to do it. And then all the rest of the spells that you learn, you have to learn from Professor Flitwick in Charms class. Mm-hmm. It's very good, it, and and the more spells that you learn and and accumulate, the more you can um, immerse yourself in doing yeah, other things. Absolutely. Too. So, Micah, you give this game a, a thumbs up, a recommendation. Yeah, I mean, just a yeah, buy. exactly. It, 
it's just fun. I mean, that's that's what video games are supposed to be. I know the way you just described Deathly Hallows Part Two from EA sounds like a uh, um, what are they? What, what's the big game right now where everybody goes online and they're playing and blowing oh, people up? Oh, um, mission. Mission Warfare? Warfare? Modern Warfare? Modern Warfare, Duty. Yeah. Mo- Modern Warfare, so, there you go. I don't know, that's not how uh, Harry Potter should be on a, on a video game no. form. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what they were trying to do, was trying to get that... Maybe. You know, that, that whole niche in the gaming community. Let's pause for a minute to remind you that this week's episode of MuggleCast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of tens of thousands of audiobooks for download to your computer, iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, and iPod. Listen whenever and wherever you want, just like the podcast you are listening to right now. Audible has more than 100,000 titles to choose from. Every genre, Audible has it covered. Today, we have a special offer and a special promotional URL from Audible. Download the Hugo Cabaret audiobook free today and try Audible free for 30 days. Hear it before you see it in theaters. The reviews are astounding. It has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, which means it's fantastic. But MuggleCast listeners know that it's always great to read a book before you actually see it in theaters. For a free Hugo Cabaret audiobook, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mugglehugo. Again, it's a different URL this time. It's audiblepodcast.com slash mugglehugo. As we discussed at the beginning of the episode, or as I teased at the beginning of the episode, one of the things we wanted to talk about today is the futures of the big seven stars. And now, we say the big seven because you may remember at the Deathly Hallows world premiere this past summer, J.K. Rowling referred to the big seven stars, or uh, slash characters, Dan, Emma, Rupert, Ivana, Matt, Bonnie, and Tom. She characterized those as the big seven. So today we wanted to talk about where their futures are, because obviously Harry Potter is over now, so what's next for each of them? And uh, we'll start with Dan, the biggest of the big seven, easily. And we all know he's had he's done a really good job, I think, of moving on from Harry. And he started even before the franchise was over. Of course, he was in Equus in, in London and in New York. And then afterwards, he went to How to Succeed, the musical on Broadway, still going on right now through the end of December. Then he is finished. And then he has a film in the can, which is coming out in February, called The Woman in Black. And then recently, and this is kind of a, a new item, new news item, he said, he heavily hinted, actually, he's quote-unquote very likely to take on a gay role in a film next year. So he'll he'll portray a gay character. And he it did not say at all who it would be. Hmm. He just said it's it's a gay character. So he he was promoting the woman in black and he said this? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it may have been during that. I'm not sure it's, it's going to be the life story of Lance Bass. <laughs> <laughs> I, but you know, it's actually I think it's a really good idea by Dan because I think he's trying to go completely opposite of Harry in all ways. So the musical Echoes where he had to be nude. Um, this gay role, the, the woman in black, it's a very um, creepy thriller, thriller. He's dressing up as a woman in black? <laughs> no. <laughs> he wants to... That's Halloween. No, but he does want to yeah. diversify. You know, you need to, you need yeah. to get out of mm-hmm. that shell. And I, I don't think anybody doubts that he can do it because he has done it. Um, but it'll just be very interesting to see him in, like you said, all, all sorts of different types of roles, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that will really give him the strongest, not only resume, but, uh, you know, for moving forward for a couple years from now. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he's the one who's probably the most likely, and he's already proven this, to test himself, mm-hmm. you know, to push the envelope a bit to really challenge himself. And that's not to downplay any of the other actors or actresses that we're going to talk about. I just think that he's willing to take a risk. Mm-hmm. I think he's very excited to explore other roles and he's definitely hitting every trying to hit every spot in the spectrum and he's been asked a lot you know would you take on a new another fantasy series and i think he has said no and i don't blame him because you you don't want to just be identified as a as someone in a fantasy series and and something like harry potter is so rare i mean you know he could start in the next percy jackson and would just flop <laughs> although a fantasy film could definitely benefit from him starring in it i think well any film can benefit from him starting starring in it well, yeah, i guess i mean the woman in black i don't see that like doing huge at the box office well it'll do a lot more than it would have done if he didn't star in it 
Mm-hmm. But do you guys? I I I I seriously do not think that it's possible for Daniel Radcliffe to shed away from Harry Potter. Do you think that he still has that? Like, is he trying to not be remembered for no, Harry Potter? No, no, I don't think that's it at all. Um, and I think some of the special features. I think his conversation with with J.K. Rowling. He said as much. Like, he's not trying to get away from Harry Potter, but you know, because he'll always be grateful for the experience he'll always take that experience that he's had working with all those people close to his heart but you know i i think the the other thing is is that that that's not going to be the only thing in his life you know he right he wants to have a he career. really wants to take what he has learned and apply it to other things which is really cool that makes sense yeah that's cool let's talk now about emma watson uh micah i know is leading a new fan club uh Never mind. Bad joke. So Emma Watson, she Ben, ben and I actually started it. Oh, up. cool. Um, I don't know what where you're going with this. I, I don't know. Like like a Emma, we know you can break free of Harry Potter, that sort of thing. I don't know. Dot com. So one big film that she's going to have next year in 2012 is Perks of Being a Wallflower, and this is based on a very popular book. And the book is interesting in that it's set up like a diary. And, um, she's not, she's not, she's not the writer of the diary, but she plays one of the bigger characters. I'm in the middle of reading it right now. It's a really good book. There's a lot of anticipation around it, um, because there's a, a great fan base already there. The, the addition of Emma Watson in it, I think, is very beneficial to it. Um, and yeah, so that, that's coming up. I think that'll be a great, great next move for her. And then also a film that's out now or out very shortly is My Week with Marilyn. And she has a smaller role in that, but Yeah. I uh I remember reading Perks of Being a Wallflower, actually. And and it was in it would have been in uh ninth grade or so, and I remember it being very moving to me at the time and also because um the main character uh, charlie who who's writing this diary um you know goes through some some really moving uh changes in his life but also a lot of it comes from this character sam who is the character that is being played by emma watson and it's a very mm. coming of age and by coming of age i mean at times it's sexual at times it involves drug use um kind of performance and so it is, you know, going to be one of those, you know, steps away, uh, for, for Emma Watson from the, you know, bookish Hermione role that was, you know, kind of not sexual at all. And, and, and also, you know, the, the idea that the film is actually being filmed in Pittsburgh, uh, which is where the book is set and it's being directed by the author of the book. Um, so it's going to be, hopefully, I have high hopes that it's going to be an exact, you know, or or a very faithful adaptation, uh, considering this director has written the book and the screenplay. So there's that. This the studio behind it is Summit, which is the uh, studio behind Twilight. Um, so you know they have some experience with book to film adaptation. You can decide on your own <laughs> if, if, if Twilight did a good job or not. <laughs> but uh, you know, Summit doesn't really have a hand so much in the adaptation so that's more up to the screenwriter are those the vampire movies yeah that's the vampire movies yeah you know and there's no release date but the film is in the can i mean they shot it i assume it's pretty much finished they summit just hasn't decided when exactly in 2012 to release it yet so i mean they do have like promotional stills yeah didn't emma Mm -hmm. emma recently talked about her role in in the in the book or that yeah there's a positive experience i think she said yeah yeah i think she really enjoyed it and there has been a little bit of press for it, but not much because we still don't have a date for it, really. Um, and then a side note, and this is another recent news story. David Yates um, said recently he has a really great script for Emma Watson. And he said, quote, um, let me try to put on my Pooh Bear, Pooh Bear <laughs> voice. I've got a really great script. For, no, that's awful. What is I've that? Got, <laughs> I don't know. I've got a really great script for Emma Watson. I just have her voice in my head for this part. An amazing role, and she'll knock it out of the park. So Yates really wants her to be involved, and I can't. I I mm-hmm. I think um, Watts Emma would be inclined to work with Yates again. I so. Think so I think Emma probably has the best platform for making it. I think the most out of the big seven. Is that? Do you think? 
I think so. Because like for 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 Dan, he has he has a bigger um chip on his shoulder because he was the central character in the entire series. Like he was he was the title character. And for the supporting roles, it's not as hard for them to break out because they weren't center stage as much. Well, we mentioned we mentioned Equus with with Dan, obviously, and and his Broadway roles. You know, Emma was a uh, you know one of the models for the was it 2010 season of Burberry. Um, so she's done some modeling, which was interesting. Uh, yeah, she still is appearing think... in sort of French uh, commercials mm-hmm. for beauty. Products. Well, I know. I think I know. I think that's great. I think for Dan, I think he'll probably have be mo- be more proficient in in Broadway and theater. Once he gets older, yeah, I, I, he seems more like a Broadway type of person to me personally. But cons- but um, but regarding Hollywood or 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 mainstream films, I think maybe not soon. But once she gets older too, I think in the long run, I think Emma would have a more lasting career. She is kind of more Hollywood. She does feel more Hollywood. Well, you know, she, I see her being like one of like Kate Winslet's and uh, you know, yeah, those yeah. kind of actresses. Yeah. Um. Well, I did see. Speaking of that, I I did see my week with Marilyn. Um, oh, how was it? Was it? A, it was a, it was good. It was a screening. She plays. Um, it's it's like a smaller character, but it's it's an important one because it's basically about the, this um this guy who becomes intimate with Marilyn Monroe, and Emma does not play Marilyn Monroe, so she plays sort of a, a costume um assistant. Or, or something who he, this guy is initially, uh, infatuated with and goes out, but she gets her heart broken. Um, but it's, uh, it's a good role. Uh, you know, there is, there are clips on the internet, uh, of her in, in the role. You know, kind of small role, but it's, Kenneth Branagh is in it. He plays Sir Lawrence Olivier. Um, so it's kind of a high profile, uh, film in a, in a way. Um, but it, but it still feels kind of obscure or different or, or out there. But, uh, yeah, she has a, a good role in that, too. So now let's talk about Rupert Grint. He has one role. Well, he's a couple things. Um, in 2013, he's a couple projects in 2013 and one in 2012. One in 2012 is called Into the White with Gunnar Robert Smith. And the two in 2013, the, at least the more interesting one, the larger one, appears to be Postman Pat the movie. Now, most Americans are probably thinking, what on earth? Postman Pat? Bob the Builder? What? <laughs> Is there a connection here? And actually, yes. Um, <laughs> well, they seem similar to me, actually. <laughs> uh, Postman Pat is an animated children's series, and they are television series, rather. And they're turning it into a movie. And actually, it stars a couple Harry Potter stars. David Tennant. Jim Broadbent, and of course, Rupert Grint. And I believe Rupert Grint has the lead role as Pat Postman Pat himself. So, okay. I, I, do, do you guys think Rupert is going to continue with a film career, or does he seem not so interested in, in pursuing it? Um, I don't know why we ask. Well, we, uh, <laughs> we certainly don't have to. Uh, or he, he, he certainly doesn't have to. Um, but one of the things that he did, and this is a movie that came out sort of over the last year, I want to say. It's a film called Wild Target. And mm. he appears with Bill Nighy, uh, who is a hitman. And it's really about, um, sort of escaping, running from these other, uh, these other, you know, criminal characters and rupert it, it plays this really large role in this movie he's he's kind of just um a careless i want to say a careless stoner at first um but you know he gets involved in sort of the escape attempt of bill Nighy's character um who i i believe fails to kill one of his charges it's either accidental it's kind of like a comedy but there's a ton of action in it and i was just surprised watching this film how good rupert was uh, in the film, and we've known he's done other films too, um, you know, such as uh, uh, what's the the one where he's with um, Julie Walters? Uh, oh, Driving, Driving Lessons. Lessons was really good and really obviously very early during during Potter. But something like Wild Target, uh, you know, just kind of showed me that he he can still he he just has a really unique role in that film, and uh, you know, I would like to see him continue to get work maybe not as my prediction is that 
he won't be in as much of stuff as some of his his other coworkers for sure. And like I said, he didn't he doesn't really have to be in anything. But I I will still enjoy watching him. I think and um you know not having grown up with Postman Pat, who knows how that film will be. But um you know I, I we've seen. Um, prominent actors lending their voice to characters uh, in animated films, and it goes it goes well for them. You know, it's just another way to reach a, a different audience. Mm-hmm. There's, um, yeah. he also seems to do a lot of charity work as well. Yeah. Uh, a lot of uh, things that he draws. And- I could see Rupert doing like a, a television series or something. It just doesn't seem to me that he, you know, as a child he got into it, and I could see him just not really being. You know, he he could live off Harry Potter money for the rest of his life if he wanted to, very comfortably. Um, it just seems like he, you know, well, let, let's move on now to Tom Felton. On the, on the on the other hand, you know, Tom Felton has a smaller role than than Rupert, Emma, and Dan, but he's really pursuing acting. I mean, and he seems very Hollywood. He's has he has quite an impressive list of films coming up. Um, there's at least six or seven listed just on IMDb. Um, in 2012, there's Nightwolf, The Apparition, and Labyrinth. And then in 2013, there's Grace and Danger, and uh, there's a couple others, Evoc, which is listed for this year, and um, From the Rough. Wait, Labyrinth? Yes. Is that a remake? Is this it's the a, Jim Henson remake, or is this something it, else? It's a TV series. It's coming out next year. There was a few photos online the other day. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, from what I understand, yeah, no relation to... And, and when that image came out, which I know we're going to talk about, um, you know, I was concerned because he's got long hair, kind of like David Bowie at one point. But I don't think they're the same at all. Um, but it is a film called Labyrinth. So there are new photos of him in uh, in Labyrinth, and he looks... Um, he looks good. He's got he's got I mean, long, he looks crazy. long brown, sort of medieval looking, unshaven, <laughs> bloody face, dirty, <laughs> dirty, dirty. Yeah, but way to diversify, right? And I mean, yeah, exactly. even um, even Planet of the Apes, the rise of the Planet of the Apes film. Um, he's he's in it, and he's uh, a fairly important character in it, and and seeing him you know get this work is really good but you're right he does appear to be working really hard at at and and you know really wanting to pursue his acting as a result of all these projects he's got lined up well he already had an acting career before harry that's Potter, true too. that Granted, is true like his 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 resume wasn't very big or anything but he was actively in roles before harry potter was yeah it just seems like he is very committed to making a big career for himself and i know he's in la quite frequently mm-hmm. you know having meetings whatnot about future films and don't forget planet of the apes as well that was um that came out earlier this year got got good reviews he had a, he didn't have that huge of a role but it was a hollywood film mm-hmm. very hollywood he has said in interviews that he is you know actively trying to pursue the whole hollywood acting mm-hmm. career now, let's talk about three others. Ivana Lynch, she plays Luna, of course. No, uh, at least according to IMDb, nothing yet for the future, but she, um, you know, it's been clear she's been out in Los Angeles trying to make some moves, meeting with people, you know, all that, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's Matt Lewis. He has a 2012 film called Wasteland, but that's about it for him. And then Bonnie Wright. She has two 2012 films, Geography of the Hapless Heart and The Philosophers. God, it didn't get too far from Harry Potter, did she? The Philosophers? <laughs> What's that about? Just looking, um, for a, looking for a stone. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Where is the stone? I found the stone. Oh, the wow. End. At an international no. school, this is the plot summary uh, for The Philosophers. At an international school in Jakarta, a philosophy teacher challenges his class of 20 graduating seniors to choose which 10 of them would take shelter underground and reboot the human race in the event of a nuclear apocalypse. Hmm. So it's a comedy. Actually, she's starring with Daryl Sabara, who was in the Spy Kids films, uh, but has now grown up, and James Darcy, um, who looks familiar. Oh, Freddie Stroma. He's from Harry Potter. He yeah. played McCormack. You know, in now maybe this is just the screenwriter's fault. I don't know, but Bonnie Wright in the Harry Potter films has always sucked to me. She's never been a good actress. I can't believe when Joe said she was one of the big seven. I was like, "Are you kidding?" 
Wait, is this well, a joke? No. Okay. Well, first of all, when when J- J.K. Rowling says the big seven regarding to the literary characters, yeah, because Ginny is yeah, yeah it's it's probably yes. muddled for for Joe. But the thing of it is, and if you watch the Women of Harry Potter um, documentary that's on the latest Blu-ray release, uh, you know, I was I was blown away because I found myself being most interested in what Bonnie Wright had to say. Um, so there's that. I mean, she's really, really smart. You just get her interviews have been really good. You, you just right. get the impression that she was completely, for whatever reason, underutilized, underplaced in the Potter films. I, uh, you know, blame anybody, but the films are not about Ginny, and any any time spent with Ginny is very awkward. You know, she gets a lot of flack from people. Uh, I'm I'm sure you know. Even the character gets a lot. The of character flag. does too, but in the books, it's such a strong character. Not a lot of people. And like she her. seems to be a very intelligent girl. So I'm looking forward to her, her in particular, moving on because I want to see what she can really do. This is it's, yeah. I think you're just attracted to her. This is your whole. <laughs> no, I think talking. I think Eric's right. We haven't seen Bonnie Wright actually act, like had the spotlight, mm-hmm. had a had a role, seen what she can do. We've seen her being underused in the Potter series. Her character was definitely, mm-hmm. um, she definitely got taken for granted. And a final bonus star in this segment, J.K. Rowling. Now, you know, she's, she, we know she doesn't have a film career. She's doing a movie? Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, she's not going to be a movie star. But it's been a while since we've talked about what's next for J.K. Rowling because we've kind of been distracted by Pottermore over the past few months. we haven't heard anything from her, though. You know, allegedly, I, the thing that what's been keeping her pen and paper, you know, pen and paper is my priority at the moment. I guess that ended up being Pottermore. But that was not a pen or paper. <laughs> it wasn't really pen or paper. Yeah, but it you, was a mouse. Well, you got to think she's still writing stuff um, for other books. But uh, will we see? She's sl- busy testifying. Yeah, well, that's for another day. Um, but do you think she is going to release a new book in 2012 or 2013? Now that Pottermore is sort of going, sort kind of sort of going. Do you think she has a future uh, uh, book that we may see in 2012 or 2013? Not 2012. But why not? If anything, probably. What has she been doing? I don't I, it, it just seems like if, if she was releasing it in 2012, we'd be hearing something. Well, like a rumor. I even. am shocked, too, that we have not heard anything because even those pen and paper priority tweets are over a year old, aren't they? She's mm-hmm. She's tweeted the same tweet. Twice, but over over the no, course of years, she's been or more. This. Okay, well, yeah, but she always tweets the same. She's thing. clearly working on something. I thought she was working on a children's book. I think she even said in an interview she was working on three different things. I I remember a, um, years ago that she said she was doing she would she was doing like an adult crime drama or she something. She said September two thousand nine, pen and paper is my priority at the moment. So nobody would have guessed that hearing pen and paper is her priority at the moment. You would assume back in September '09. Oh, we're going to hear about a book yeah, in a year. That's 26 or two. months nope. ago. 26 months ago. <laughs> Over two years, <laughs> and wow, that's that's pretty crazy to think about. That was straight up misleading. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the, <laughs> that was a well, lie. And part of the reason why I don't think we would have something within a year, at least, is because she's a high-profile author. She has a huge fan base. If she was writing anything. We would have heard at least a hint or a tease of some sort. I don't know. If it was coming. Maybe she just doesn't want to advertise it or produce it or, or have, you know. Jeez, do something. Update your site. Yeah, there, that is true. You know, even though she's got Pottermore and I don't, I don't think, I don't think she can ever get rid of Pottermore now, even though it seems like it's going away. I think she's stuck with it. <laughs> um, you just want it to go away. But, <laughs> but her, her home website should be more about what else she's doing. Uh, you know, that can be less Potter-related. Um, because, you know, her site wasn't really ever Potter-Potter-related. It was about her. It's her desk you're seeing. But right. I mean, we could find, like, a little post-it it notes should, or something it about, should, like, what she's it doing. It should be about her upcoming projects, even if they're not related to Potter. And... I think the Twitter account, though, was made specifically because she had people who were impersonating her, so she just wanted to create an official account. No, that's exactly what I it wouldn't was. Re- no, you're right. I wouldn't really go ahead and worry about any official information being put out there, just because, as you guys mentioned, the last three tweets have all been the same thing. And maybe next year is the year. I mean, it's five years since Deathly Hallows was released in 2012. It's also going to be, what, 15 years since Sorcerer's Stone uh, was released. So we're getting 
all these anniversaries obviously coming up. I can't believe it's going to be five years since Deadly Hallows was released. Oh, That's just God, scary. Old. Yeah, we are. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I would like to see something new. I, 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 look what Matt was talking just about. Hear about just something before. new. I mean, we don't need something new. I, I, I think I'd be asking for too much if we get something within a year, but at least like some news of something. Just update your Twitter or update your site or just update I wouldn't us. know what she's writing. The Beetle the Bar doesn't really count because wasn't most of that already written before Deathly Hell? Yeah, Hell? it was just a short thing. Even um, an encyclopedia would be nice. So we asked people on Twitter, twitter.com slash MuggleCast, uh, who do you think has the most promising future of of the of the stars and why? Otha, Othla Holly said... Out of the trio, I'd say Emma on the big screen and Dan in more of the Broadway type thing. Dan just looks so comfortable up on stage for being such a newbie. Emma just seems like a natural movie star to me. Well, that's what Dumb- I said. Dumbledore Adams said, Emma Watson, she's already branched out into other fields such as fashion and just needs to diversify her film catalog Ooh. a bit. Oh. Silver Doe 25 said, Dan Radcliffe, if you've seen him in How to Succeed, you know why. <laughs> Uh, but, Kit, so I don't know. Kittle Brins says Dan's passion and enjoyment for what he's done, for what he does, is definitely going to get him far. After all, he has a fantastic resume. That's true. J.R. Green, 2010, says Dan Radcliffe, he has an amazing resume since the Potter films and doing great on Broadway. Um, Potions Class says Emma Watson, she is one take Watson, after all. One take Watson? <laughs> Here's a great one. <laughs> oh my gosh, this one's crazy. <laughs> this one's from McGregor's Wench. Sean Biggerstaff. He may not take blockbusters, but he chooses projects that showcase his talent and is believable in the roles. Exclamation point, exclamation point. I wonder if I could, if wow. I tried, I wonder if I could find something else that Sean Biggerstaff has been in. I totally believed his role, though, when he was flying on that broomstick. <laughs> yeah, it was part very two. believable. That, I, I was immersed in that. I saw, um, I saw he was in a short film or a short web series oh, or it something, was something like that a couple years yeah. ago. And it wasn't, you know, I mean, I guess I believe it. Something like a grocery store or something. I believed his career was over. Ooh, that's mean. Um, Tamerski Halsa, something like that, says, Emma Watson, acting in movies along with her education equals great decision. Her experience working with the best actors in Britain is great. So we got quite a few. If you want to uh, participate in uh, the Twitter responses that we include on pretty much every episode, just follow twitter.com slash mugglecast. Speaking of Pottermore, Michael, would you like to read the first email to wrap up the show today? The first email is going to wrap up the no, show? No, no, but what I meant was as <laughs> oh. we enter our final segment. <laughs> That's that it. We're done. We're not stretch. even going to answer, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, email comes from Rachel26 of the UK. She says, hi guys, I've just recently caught up with a backlog of episodes since September, and there sounds like there's a huge amount going down in Pottermore. I put off registering for the test period because I was away in Japan the entire time testing was open. I did this thinking that I would be able to at least register when I got back to give me something to do on my off days, uh, as well as listening to you guys. I have to say that it's disappointing that they extended the testing. Also, your comments on it make it sound like it is a mess. Nothing is wrong with honesty, but is it really that bad? What are its positives? And uh, she also goes on to say that uh, she listened to us, speaking of uh, places where you listen to MuggleCast, on Mount Fuji. Oh, cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Positives with Pottermore. We've tried to throw positives in because they are there. I would say the chief positive among them is that there's tons of new content from J.K. Rowling. And we've been clear about that. There is that new content. However, once you read it, it's not really worth reading again. And probably the other positive is the sorting hat, assuming that the sorting is, is accurate. Um, the wand selection, assuming that is accurate. You know, so th- those three to me. Have any other positives, guys? The artwork's really nice. The artwork yeah. is nice. I think they, 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 like you said, there is all this content from Joe. They just need to make the case a little bit stronger for having Pottermore instead of a book in print. You know, like an encyclopedia in print, I think. You know, because we're not sure. Mm-hmm. We're 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 a little skeptical at the moment that sorting is sorting, you know, accurate, or you know, and things like that. They just need to answer those questions, I think, and make it a little bit more, give us more of a reason to come back and enjoy and really appreciate what it is that they're doing online instead of saying we would have rather had a book, you know, 
for this encyclopedia. Because the content from Joe is great. It really, 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 truly is. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. But, you know, is this something that really needs to be on this Flash server always overloading program? Or would it really be better in a book? Well, I also think the other thing people need to keep in mind, too, is that they're going to keep releasing books over the next... I don't know how long it's going to be once, let's say, Chamber of Secrets comes out in early 2012. What's the time lapse going to be in between books? Because you're going to have to keep people's interest o- over time, and I think right now that's what they're lacking. Yeah, It could be yeah. part of the reason why they're still in beta, is they don't have something that's going to keep people there for for, for the time in between books, and after even. Mm-hmm. We also got some emails about our last episode, episode 244, with our first ever Harry Potter DVD commentary. I'm just going to jump through all three real quick. Uh, Dayland17 of Arizona said, I just want to let you guys know I enjoyed the part two commentary. I learned so much and saw things that you pointed out that I would have otherwise not seen. It would make me really happy if you did that for all the movies. Now that we know future happenings, it would be cool to go back and point out things that occur later because of a specific scene or character. Thomas, and now this must be a typo, age 107 from Maryland, says, Enjoyed the commentary. Well done. No, there are many troubling aspects of this film that deviate from the books. I understand a lot of them for filming reasons, but there is one that is simply a glaring mistake. In the pensive of Snape's memories, there's a scene where Trelawney is making a prediction, but it isn't the one Snape overheard that set the whole saga in motion. It's the one she made to Harry in book three. Servant and master shall be reunited once more. Seems like a pretty big error. What do you guys think about that? I, I didn't didn't even notice. I didn't is, care. Is he right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I saw her, but it's it's, and I don't know if you can hear Trelawney speaking. And if you can, that would be an error because it's obviously the wrong um, prediction. But you can see Emma Watson, and it's a it's a shot from Prisoner of Azkaban making that prediction, um, which is which is interesting. Jessica, fifteen of Indiana, wrote about Fred's death scene in your part two commentary. Eric talked about the scene where Voldemort was telling the Death Eaters to retreat, but Electo killed Fred. Then anyway, that actually was not Fred who she was fighting, but George. James commented on Twitter that it was him who was fighting her. Also, if you look at the earlier scene, George was wearing the same color jacket, so there's there's some proof. As the okay, so the twins. Uh, what I thought was the so yeah, I what I thought right. was the twins' death scene was not as moving, was not, not as moving as I hoped it was. So whatever. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was really hard to tell. I mean, the, 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 we just saw a Weasley twin there, like freaking mm-hmm. out. I thought you guys noticed he didn't have an ear. No, that that was not there. Mm-hmm. Mikey, you want to read the next scene from Kylan, Chylan, Kalen, Kalen, Kalen. Let's go with Kalen. Fifteen of Maryland. And he or she says, uh, just listen to the DVD commentary, loved it, made me laugh. Anyway, when you were talking about the lightning has struck, the boy says River, who is Lee. Lee never returns, and also wouldn't they say in this Royal or even Romulus, just my thoughts. Okay, I guess that's referring to uh, when, who goes over to the uh, the radio to announce that Harry is back? That guy. Is it, we don't know, do uh, we? I mean, lightning, is it just lightning a random yeah, I mean, maybe in the book this person is named, but I don't. I'm not sure. Yeah. All right. But uh, other part of uh, this person's email talks about something that a lot of people wrote in about. Also, you were talking about how you wouldn't want to send your kids to Hogwarts, especially the first years. But in Deathly Hallows, it says that all students have to go to Hogwarts. It's a law that the Ministry under Voldemort's control made. Thought you should. So that answers that. that question. Also, one of my mistakes. He says river. I thought he said repeat. When it says lightning is struck, repeat. Repeat lightning, lightning is struck. Is... Yeah. Yeah. That would make more sense. <laughs> River. Um, <laughs> uh, Eric, next email. This one comes from Ryan, age 21, the UK. Hey, guys, just a small comment. Although Voldemort feeling when a Horcrux is destroyed works well in the final film, he presumably didn't feel anything when the ring was destroyed in Half-Blood Prince, or he would have known then that they were hunting Horcruxes and made sure the other ones were safe. That's a good one. That's actually a good uh, good point. Um, they're thinking only as far as the, f- the current film goes, um, because Voldemort would have known what they were up to far sooner than he does in the movie or in the books. Good point. Well, do you think that maybe just Voldemort knew that Dumbledore was doing it but he didn't know that harry knew um 
Well, no, I mean, I think even in book seven, when, when, when Voldemort finds out, it's like the ground falling out from under him. And he only finds out, um, what is it? Because he, he comes across or he just goes to check on one of his old Horcruxes and it's not there or something. Um, so he has that flip out moment and then immediately flies to Hogwarts. So, well, it seems obvious that the more, the more Horcruxes are destroyed, the more he feels it. Maybe early on he just didn't feel it as much. Well, yeah, he doesn't feel it at all in the books, um, because you're not—he's not supposed to be right. close to. And you don't even—you don't even see Voldemort being um, right. affected when uh, the necklace gets right. destroyed. He's either. super surprised that anybody found out his secret, um, and that's—that's that's the real thing of it all. Is that yeah, if it had happened, in, if if the movies were consistent and he felt, you know, the destruction of, you know, the the other the other Horcruxes like the ring. Um, then it, he would have found out quite quite a bit sooner, and they wouldn't have had a chance to defeat him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he doesn't even find out until after they leave Gringotts. Vera22 of Toronto, Ontario in Canada says, Hey guys, love the Deathly Hallows Part 2 commentary. Added a fresh take to the DVD since it didn't have its own commentary. The only thing that I wanted to say was the fact that you guys were discrediting Geraldine Somerville. I know there were a lot of issues with the fact that Lily Evans, as a little girl, didn't have blue eyes. But if you look at a picture of Geraldine, she has very blue eyes, which are very similar in color to Dan Radcliffe's eyes. I think the fact that young Lily's eyes were brown was because the casting directors were focused mainly on getting a very cute redheaded girl to play Lily and forgot to take into account Lily's eye color matching Harry's. They did focus on it when casting Geraldine, and I just wanted to make that clear. Well, that's exactly the fact. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree with that exactly what they did. It's not that it's that's a good idea. I, I feel like the eyes probably could have been, you know, a focal point when they were casting. We got, we got a few other emails about eye color can change when you grow up. So yeah, that that's grasping. <laughs> but yeah, so, but, but we from did. brown to blue, that's we a did, pretty though. dramatic we change. We did get those emails. Alex fifteen of Concord finally writes, "Hey, MuggleCast, longtime listener, first time commenter. You guys can do first time, long time. That's that's a that's a short abbreviation for that kind of thing." During episode 244, I was watching the movie along with your commentary and saw something that surprised me. When Harry shows himself to Snape in the Great Hall and McGonagall starts to duel him, it is Snape, not McGonagall, that knocks out the Karos. If you watch closely, Snape counters McGonagall's spell, waves his wand behind his head, and that knocks out the Karos. What's? Well, yeah, I noticed that the last time I saw it. Uh, one of my friends told me about it, and it's true. It, he actually takes out the Karos himself while he's dueling. Does it appear McGonagall. to be a it's conscious awesome. decision of his? It's well, when you once you see it, it is obvious that it's a conscious thing. Like he he because he he wants to duel them out so he so he doesn't leave the Karos to hurt anyone before he leaves. Oh, that could be true. It's yeah. it's awesome. Cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I was just gonna say on the other email. And I don't know if there's confusion. The one just before Geraldine Somerville plays the older Lily Potter, not the younger one. Oh, right. Yeah, Geraldine plays. Yeah, his mom. so that's that's what the email like. It's, his old it's Ellie Darcy Alden that plays young Lily Potter. So I I just want to make sure because the way that uh, Vera phrased it in this sounds like she's talking about. Well, yeah, the no. One. The when they and, when they when they cast the first film when they cast you know Harry's mother they did make sure that. They paid more attention to the eyes, but when they cast uh, the young Lily Potter in this film, they did not. Okay, so a couple show-related announcements before we wrap up. First, the transcript update, Micah? Yeah, uh, I know we've been uh, not as up-to-date as we'd like to be, but uh, the two most recent episodes, 243 and 244, which includes Eric's interviews with uh, Arthur Parsons as well as some interviews from the Quidditch World Cup, and uh, the more recent one being our DVD commentary, they will be uh, available shortly. And shortly, I mean by the end of the weekend here. Cool. And uh, we're just going to work on getting uh, all the others that we're missing in between up uh, as soon as we possibly can. So uh, that good. I don't know why you'd want to read along uh, while you watch the movie. It might be a little bit more difficult oh, to do don't that. Don't transcribe than that one. Are you going to transcribe that one? Uh, no, they've already done it. Oh, wow. It's already been done. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so. Well, that's wow. great. Cool. Um, thank you though. Yeah, I know we always, uh, you know, we don't always get a chance to uh, to thank everybody yeah, that, that to, does work so hard. Yeah, it really is. It really is a great resource for fans who are maybe hearing impaired or just want to prefer to read the transcripts. Yeah, 
And a little tease for what's coming up in December. We will have a standard show. We'll talk about news, maybe maybe chapter by chapter or, you know, various fun segments. We haven't really planned it out yet. And then our year in review episode with the third annual or fourth annual, I don't know which it is, Muggle Casties. <laughs> and that's um, fun in that we uh, give you a variety of categories to vote in. Uh, all Harry Potter related, and you you tell us which one you think is the best of the year. Oh, that I wonder who's wonder who's is. going up for the uh, J.K. Rowling Award this year. Yes, mm. I wonder. There's some competitors. There might be. Maybe Lev Grossman will get it. Uh, okay. And the final reminder: you can visit MuggleCast.com for all the information you need about the show. Don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, which is twitter.com slash mugglecast. Like us on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash mugglecast. And follow the fan Tumblr, which has recently had many uh, contributions from Eric at mugglecast.tumblr.com. <laughs> I'm on to you, Eric. Uh, I just, what it was, I was going through old hard drives, and I found, like, the original t-shirt image, and yeah, they have a submit button on the Mugglecast Tumblr, so I thought I'd uh, yeah, participate. But... I don't know, it's... It's all yep. good. It's all good. Lots of good stuff on there. And uh, thanks to Allie and Angel for running that. It's, it's you know, people love Tumblr. Well, we'll enjoy the fan Tumblr if you listen to MuggleCast. And uh, shameless self-promotion, if you want to read my full review on Lego Harry Potter years 5 to 7, it's up on MuggleNet.com. And we'll put a link to it in the show notes. Of course. Always. In the words of Stain. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. From Hypable.com, I'm Andrew Sims. From MuggleNet.com, I'm Eric Skull. From MSNBC.com, I'm Mike Catanabo. From TMZ, I'm Matt Britton. And we'll see everybody next time for episode 246. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.